Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so kids want to head back to Reach Kids. They can head out now. And otherwise, uh, pray with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you as our Father, as the Father who has loved us in Jesus Christ, and that you, you ask us to come to the altar, not an altar to sacrifice ourselves, but to receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that by his sacrifice we have become sons. And Father, I ask that you would use Romans 8 to open our eyes to see the goodness of your, your salvation, your adoption, the blessings you have poured out upon us in Christ. Father, would this be a time of enjoying you and delighting in you and who you are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so last week, last week we saw the blessings that are ours in the Holy Spirit. That because we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we find the blessings of freedom from sin, that we belong to Jesus, and finally that, that we are guaranteed to be raised from the dead because the Spirit is working. Now those are the great, the great blessings of the Spirit and of the Gospel. And kind of the question that Paul is moving on to in this passage is, is now that we have the Spirit... And we've received so much from the Spirit. Where do we actually stand before God? How should we treat God now that he has done so much for us? It's essentially the question of, of, of relationship. So now that we are saved, what is our relationship with the God of the universe? And relationship, relationship is the, the essence of, of how we interact with anyone that if God is our father, we interact with him one way. If he is our, our boss, if he's our employer, we interact with him very differently. And so today we're looking at the adoption of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit establishes our relationship with God as one of sonship. That we are sons of God. And so we're going to see how we are no longer, no longer debtors. We are no longer debtors to God. Instead, we are sons and then the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just adopt us. He then spends every day trying to convince us that we are actually the sons of God. We don't believe it. We have to be convinced day in and day out that we are the sons of God. So let's look at Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. I think, is everyone right there? All right, all right. Impressive. All right. All right. Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear... But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. All right. 
So Paul starts off by looking at, at what we are not. What we are not. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are not debtor, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Now we talked about what the flesh was uh, kind of over the past three weeks. The flesh is the the slavery that we have to the law, to works, to obedience. And he's saying that we are, we are no longer debtors to our flesh. Now what that means is we, we don't owe God or anyone, we don't owe our flesh anything. We owe God no works. We owe God no good deeds, no obedience to the law. We are no longer indebted to those things. And he gives us two reasons why. First, first reason comes from before last week. Because we saw that all of the blessings of God are provided not by the flesh. The flesh is dead. The flesh is weak. All of the blessings come because of the Spirit. That it was the Spirit who was giving us freedom from sin. It was the Spirit who was giving us this intimate relationship with Christ. It was the Spirit that is going to raise us from the dead. And so when we think about our works and our our obedience to the law, we're getting nothing from that. We're getting nothing from it. And so if, the, if our flesh is not giving us anything of worth, it's not giving us any blessing, it's not giving us any relationship with God, then we are no longer debtors to the flesh. You don't have to work any longer. You are done. You are not enslaved to works. Because it's all about the Spirit. The Spirit's the one who gave you everything. The flesh doesn't give you a single thing. So stop trying to repay back the, the flesh and works, which all they did was kill you. And that takes us to our next point. So that's, that's a, the reason above. Now there's a reason below this passage. The second reason we don't owe the flesh anything is because 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's one thing that the flesh has given you. That is death. Alright. If something gives you death, you don't owe it anything. Alright. So if you buy a car, and you find out that the car is going to spontaneously combust and kill you, you, you don't owe anything. They owe you. Right? That you get to sue their pants off, and you get, you get money back. You don't have to pay the debt. If your ice cream has cyanide in it, like you, you, you don't have to pay anything. They owe you some money. All right? that, that's the concept here. That if all something is giving you is death and destruction, there's no allegiance anymore. If you have a friend who is trying to kill you, you, you don't have to maintain relationship with that person anymore. All right, you're done. You're, you're, your relationship is severed at that point. You owe them no love. You owe them no commitment because they have given you death. All right, that's our relationship to the flesh. That's a relationship to works and the law. We're dead to those things. They, they haven't given us anything. Now, how do we know if we are still living as debtors to the flesh? All right, it, there's a reason they, they choose this word. What is it like to, what does it feel like to be under debt? To be under debt. All right, so you wake up in the morning and you feel, you feel a burden upon you. Something weighs on your heart 
from the very beginning. And, and you have to buy things, and so every single, every single purchase, even if it's the most neutral of purchases, comes with kind of a tinge of guilt and uncomfortability. And if you spend anything on fun or on pleasure, you feel even more guilt. That, no, no, I should, re I should really be paying back my debt. I, I don't deserve to do anything but, but pay it back. And then you start to, to play lots of games financially. You become an expert in, in paying off the bills in, in kind of weird ways. So like one credit card, the, the Visa credit card, pays off American Express because because American Express needs to be paid first, and so you're just, you're just piling them on, kind of trading things back and forth. You start screening your phone calls because debt collectors start to come. All right, you, start, you start to pile on all of this, this awfulness. That's what it's like to, to be deeply in debt. Now, how does that translate to being spiritually in debt with God? All right, so this would be debt, debt of good works. And so you wake up in the morning, and you feel guilty, and you feel awful, like there's this weight upon you. This is the burden of my day is to be a good Christian. And everything kind of has a little bit of guilt with it. You can't, you can't do something normal or kind of a neutral thing because... No, I should be reading my Bible. I should be praying. I should be like paying back my guilt. I should be paying back my debt. Why can't, I can't do anything but that. And maybe you start separating yourself from God. You don't like to, to go to God because he's just your debt collector. And you don't like talking to other Christians because they just make you feel bad. They remind you of your debt. Is this your experience of the Christian life? You feel guilty before God, fearful before God. Do you avoid him because you think he's, he's just going to press you for, for good works? Paul is, Paul is saying as, as clearly as he can, you are not debtors to the flesh. You don't owe any good deeds. You don't owe anything. You are not in debt to God. And when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to, to pay back this debt of good deeds that you're kind of always fighting to, to be a good person. You don't need to manage your good deeds and your bad deeds and make sure that the, the good outweigh this. Oh, I failed in this commandment, but I'll, I'll do good in this commandment. Kind of paying the credit cards off. No, all of that is done in Christ. And the Spirit is trying to convince us that that is no longer our relationship to God. That by the Spirit, we are just given blessing upon blessing. That we are given eternal life. That we are given our goodness from Christ. There's nothing left to repay. Now, the, the natural thing that people do then, then is... Uh, it says here that, that we are not debtors to the flesh. And we think, well, okay, then, then what are we debtors to? And the natural thing is to say, well... The Spirit has given us so much. The Spirit has given us forgiveness upon forgiveness and grace upon grace and, and heavenly blessings and eternal good things. And, and we think, okay, maybe, maybe I'm a debtor 
to the Spirit. That I owe God. He's given me everything. I owe him my life. I, I have to repay him with good deeds. And it seems like that would be the natural conclusion. And I think that's actually how we talk about obedience a lot. We talk about it as, a, okay, now, now give your life to God. He gave your life to you. He gave his life for you. He gave, he gave you life. Now it's his. Go be a debtor to the Spirit. Now, that's not where Paul goes here. That we can kind of fill it in and we think, well, okay, if we're not debtors to the flesh, of course we're debtors to the Spirit. And Paul goes in the exact opposite direction. Look at where he goes. Verse 14. Now, why are we free from, from the flesh? For we are all led by the Spirit of... Oh, sorry. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Are sons of God. That the Holy Spirit, he takes away any relationship we have to God that's, that's of debt and of slavery, and he calls us sons. That that is our new relationship with God because the Spirit is a spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. Now we have to recognize the, the weight of saying that. That we're not saying that we're all children of God like we're all kind of children of Mother Nature in kind of a, a kumbaya kind of way. Right? That's not what we're saying. We're saying that, that we are in the family of God that we are supernatural. We are kings and queens in the kingdom that, that we are on equal playing field with Christ himself. That Jesus is our brother and the omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful God is our father. Is our father. And we wonder, how, how could we possibly in all of our sin, in all of our weakness, in all of our fallenness, be children of God. And that's our verse 15. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That the ultimate blessing of the Holy Spirit is that he is a, the spirit of adoption. And that, and that we as human, we have no right to be children of God. But that God puts his Holy Spirit inside of us so that we actually are part of the family. So when God sees us, he sees the Holy Spirit. He sees a, a divine nature in us. And we wonder, like, what, what does it really mean to be be adopted in the family of God. And, and it, it makes it clear that, that there's this great benefit that because we are adopted as sons, we can cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now that, that term, Abba, Father, um, it's kind of contended what that means, but this is a term that, that like the firstborn son addresses his father. It's a special relationship that the firstborn son, in this culture, he gets, he gets the, the vast majority of the inheritance. 
He gets all the blessings. Everything is poured out upon the firstborn son. He is the privileged one. And only the firstborn son gets to say, Abba, Father. That he has this special relationship with the father, the Abba, Father kind of relationship. And because we are adopted, we can cry that same thing, Abba, Father. Now, what does that mean, that we can cry, Abba, Father? First of all, it means we have this amazing access to God. That if people are trying to get a hold of you, you know, your business colleagues, they, they get put on mute. Everyone else, they get put on mute. Your kids, your kids have full access. They have access to you at midnight because they want a drink of water. They have access to you when you're at work because they threw up on the, you know, at, at lunch or something. You know, they just, they have, they have full access. And it's not this kind of resentful access. It's that if Remy calls, like, I want to be there. Because my allegiance is first and foremost to him. And everything else comes second. That's our relationship with God. And when we can cry, Abba, Father, we have this... Like, the Father just wants to pour out blessings upon us. He wants to give us exactly what we need. And there's no resentment for, towards it. If, if Remy cries, Abba, Father, like, I'm going to give him what he wants. If, if, he, if that's good for him. Like, if he does water, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to get him water, even though it's, it's miserable trying to get that kid water. He's supposed to everywhere, and it doesn't work. Um, but I'm, I'm going to sacrifice and work to get him what he needs. And it's my delight to do that. Now, if I, who am a terrible father, do that, then God, who is the perfect father, he wants to hear you crying out to him. He wants to hear you ask him and look to him and be totally dependent. And I don't resent Remy for, for being that. And when he turns 18, he's not going to get a check for 150, or like a, a bill for $150,000 for all the food he ate in, in his 18 years in my house. No. And if he tried to pay me that, I would, I would rebuke him for it. Because, no, that is the joy of the father to provide for his children. We can go to our Father and ask Him for the things that we need and trust Him with what He gives us. And finally, there's just straight up love there. That we're crying out, Abba, Father. And He doesn't resent us. He doesn't judge us. He's, he's hard with us. He can be. He treats us like children who, who don't always want the right thing but he loves us and knows us. That's what Abba Father means. Have we learned to cry out, Abba Father? Is this the relationship that we have with, with God our Father? Can we go to him without guilt or fear or feeling like we need to dress ourselves up first? Kind of an analogy for this, an analogy. Um, we were invited over for, for Christmas to someone's house. And the, the stipulation was, you had to wear your pajamas. All right, and it was like, 
you better be wearing pajamas because we're, we're going to wear pajamas. And, and what was that? That was, it was supposed to be a family Christmas. It wasn't supposed to be a dinner party. It was supposed to be you're, you're treated like family. And so you can be as bestie as you want to be. You could be wearing your pajamas. You're supposed to let your hair down. That's, that's the relationship we're supposed to have with God. That we don't build ourselves up and put on this facade. We go to God in our pajamas, in our need, in, in exactly who we are, knowing that he is our father and we can, just, we can be with him. Now, it's really hard to do that. And that's where Paul is very honest with that. He says that we have not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And he tells us that because that is the relationship that we naturally have. That every other relationship that we have is to some extent a kind of debt relationship. At your workplace, they only want you there as long as you're doing a good job. Your school only wants you as part of your school as long as you're doing a good job. Until you start getting Fs, the, you know, once, you, once you do that, you're not welcome anymore. And even in our families, we've experienced some of that. That we are welcome and until we start to mess up too badly. All of our previous fathers, they have taught us to be enslaved and to be in debt. And you hear stories of, of children who were orphans and who then are adopted. And it takes them a long time to adjust. You hear stories of kids, they like, they're hiding Cheerios in their, in their, under their pillows because they're not sure that the food will be free forever. And so they're hoarding Cheerios and granola bars. Or they, they don't trust that their parents are going to come back. And so, so they don't let them leave. They won't let them out of their sight. Because other parents have, have not been there. And that's the reality of where we stand before God. Some of us have even been taught that God is that kind of slave master. And it is nothing but fear and working and, and working off a debt to him. And so we don't believe it. It's too good to be true. We are orphans who've been adopted and we don't believe it. Now that's where thankfully, thankfully God knows that. God knows that we struggle with that. And that's where the spirit doesn't just say, he's not just the spirit of adoption, he's also the spirit who testifies. Look at verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that, in order that we may be glorified with him. Now, I don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a super great translation. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. I think a better translation is to our spirit. That the Holy Spirit, he preaches at us. He testifies, he witnesses at us and tries to convince us that we are actually the sons of God. That that is his work. 
He tries to convince us that, that if we are sons, then we are heirs. Not workers, heirs to all of the promises. Heirs to all the good things. You don't get your inheritance because you've worked really hard. You get your inheritance because you are a son. Now, how does he convince us that we are the children of God? I think that kind of the key, the key phrase here is that we are fellow heirs with Christ. We are fellow heirs with Christ. That's kind of the core of the passage. Because there is only one real son of God. The eternal son of God who, who is immutable, unchangeable, he's, he's infinite. He deserves the title of son of God. And he's also perfectly obedient. He never disobeyed his father. He, he deserves the inheritance. He is the true son. And yet this true son, he came and he, he took on human flesh. And he was enslaved to the law. And he was indebted to good works. He worked his, he worked his whole life to be the, the, the good son that we will never be. And he suffered. And he died. And he went to the cross so that he could give us his sonship. That he, he was treated like we should have been treated as enemies. And he gives us his sonship. So that when God sees us, he sees perfect sons. He sees the only sons that deserve to say, Abba, Father. We in our sin never deserve to say, Abba, Father. And Jesus actually, Jesus only says, Abba, Father, once. Uh, recorded in the Gospels. He says, Abba, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Abba, Father, like, take this cup from me, but not your will not, not my will, but your will. Essentially, he, he uses his Abba Fatherness, that power to, to obey and to give his life so that we could say the same thing. So that we can say, Abba Father, we can be treated as sons. All right. This is good stuff. All right. Um, and. and now you're saying, okay, but this is, this is real life. Like, this is hard. This isn't just kind of this delightful being the son of God kind of thing. And that's where the passage is. It's kind of a, sweet, a very sweet passage. A very sweet kind of warm, fuzzy passage. But it has this kind of bittersweet ending. It has a bittersweet ending. It says, it says yeah, yeah, you'll get all that. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Provided we suffer with Jesus in order that we may be glorified with Jesus. That if God is really going to treat us as sons, he's not going to leave us as we are. And he's going to discipline us. And he's going to transform us so that we actually have the character of God. So that we actually look like our brother Jesus. And that's where this, this isn't just kind of a 
the, the family line of God is, is a difficult one. There's kind of a family business we all get, in, get, get enrolled in is, is suffering. But we receive that suffering as the discipline from our Father who is transforming us into the image of our brother Jesus and who is giving us a, a divine character so we actually look like God. Now we're going to talk more about that suffering. We're, that's what the next two weeks is about. So if you want to know how that actually works, it's much more, it's pretty complicated and, and a little messy, but stick with us. But what, do, what am I asking you to do? What am I asking you to do now? What are the practical things right here and right now? All right, first, stop living as debtors. You are not enslaved to God. You are given gifts as sons that you do not have to repay. And so stop trying to repay them. Stop feeling the guilt that you can't repay them. You aren't supposed to. You're being treated as sons. And believe what the spirit of adoption says, that you are sons. And you are promised to get the inheritance because Jesus Christ already gave it to you. And then the very, very last thing is, if you haven't received the sonship from Jesus... Receive it. That Jesus died to give it to you. You cannot earn it. You, you cannot muster enough obedience up. You're just going to heap death upon yourself. But Jesus died to make you a son. Let's receive it as the gracious gift from God our Father. Let's pray. Father, we are overwhelmed by blessings that seem too good to be true and Father we don't often have categories for how to receive them and so I ask that you would you would teach us by your spirit to to believe that we are sons to trust that we are sons in Christ and Father would you would give us great joy that we are sons of yours that we are the firstborn sons who receive the inheritance because Jesus Christ has given it to us. Father, I ask that you would give us freedom from all slavery and fear and indebtedness to you. And would you give us just joy to, to be your children. We long to be those who, who love you and just want to please you as children love to please their father. Would you give us great delight in the, the relationship that we have with you? And would you give us great worship in our hearts? Even now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.